Welcome to episode 260 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the root cause of America's problems. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out the Truth Quest podcast merchandise shop at truthquestshirtfactory.com. Please consider purchasing one of our thought-provoking shirts. They're only $30 and it's free shipping. I have a theory that I want to share with you, that being every problem we face in America today can be traced back to one thing, an overstepping, overreaching, unconstitutional federal government. It's been 250 plus years in the making. It got started early in the Republic's life under our second president and founding father, who should have known better, John Adams, with the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. Less than 100 years later, the much-revered Abe Lincoln spit on the Constitution with his actions during the Civil War. Seventy years after that, Woodrow Wilson, who admittedly loathed the Constitution, took it even further. Then, 30 years later, FDR put the destruction of the Constitutional Republic on steroids. Next up was Nixon, followed most notably by Clinton, who greased the proverbial slippery slope, leading the nation to George W. Bush and the Patriot Act. Obama, a self-prescribed, trained community organizer, did his part to grow the power of the federal government. Trump did nothing to pare it back. In fact, spending grew during his four years, and Biden is, well, I'd have to say, his administration, which is full of America-hating commies, is vying for the top spot on the Hate the Constitution chart. The goal of his administration is clearly to tear America apart, and they are doing a bang-up job. Back to my point, my theory. Every problem plaguing America today can be pointed back to the fact that the federal government has too much unconstitutional power and control. We are not following the Founding Fathers' limited government recipe. The clear remedy to getting America back on track is to roll back the power and control in D.C., I want to put things in perspective before we dive in. The federal government was created by the states. Specifically, it was created by the 13 colonies, which ratified the Constitution. If it makes more sense, think of it this way. The federal government was birthed by the states. It is the child, whereas the states are the parents. The federal government is subservient to the states. Now, I understand perfectly well that that sounds counterintuitive to many of you, given the times in which we live, but that is the truth. And this is the Truth Quest podcast. Now, the parents, the states, did agree to grant the child, the federal government, some powers as a way of creating and maintaining a cohesive unit. They did so in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, where in 18 paragraphs, the Founding Fathers clearly articulate what limited powers the Constitution grants to the federal government. Here's a breakdown of the 18 paragraphs. Six of them concern the military and the militia. That makes sense. You want to have a centralized military rather than one for each state, although there were militias in each state at the time. Four of the paragraphs concern money or taxes. Fine, that makes sense to have one currency and some form of tax collection. There's one paragraph concerning commerce, and while the Commerce Clause has been badly bastardized over the years, a subject for another podcast, it made sense to regulate some commerce between the states. One paragraph concerns naturalization and bankruptcies. Again, sensible, centralized powers. One paragraph concerns post office and post roads. Despite the current financial performance of the USPS, most would not argue with this article. One paragraph concerns copyrights and patents. Fine, makes sense to have this centralized rather than each state having its own process. 
Then we have a paragraph concerning federal courts. That seems reasonable. One paragraph concerning maritime crimes, which for that time period, which the Constitution was written, that seems sensible. And there's one paragraph concerning the governance of the District of Columbia. Fine, whatever. And finally, the one paragraph gives Congress the power to, quote, make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers, end quote. This is known as the necessary and proper clause. It too has been bastardized, but as written, it is a sensible provision. And that's it. That's everything the federal government is constitutionally allowed to do. Now, just in case there's any confusion, after reading Article 1, Section 8, the Founding Fathers authored the Tenth Amendment, which reads, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Prior to that, James Madison wrote in Federalist 45, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. By the way, one of the shirts we sell at truthquestshirtfactory.com reads, few and defined, numerous and indefinite. So it's pretty damn clear that the Founding Fathers wanted to limit the federal government's power. No doubt about it. In case you're wondering, there are zero paragraphs in the Constitution concerning marriage, gay or straight. There's nothing about health insurance or health care. See you later, Health and Human Services and Obamacare. There's nothing in there about education. Sayonara, Department of Education. There's nothing in there about gun control. As a matter of fact, there's the Second Amendment that deals with that. But nonetheless, there's nothing in there about bump stocks or federal gun registries or federal gun laws of any sort. There's nothing in there about labor laws. There's nothing in there about abortion, student loans, or guaranteeing mortgages. There's nothing in there about bailouts of corporations. There's no provision in the Constitution about endangered species. Zero paragraphs exist in the Constitution concerning old age pensions and forced compliance to contribute your money to this so-called pension. Adios, Social Security, and the 6.2% of every paycheck that goes into it. There are zero paragraphs in the Constitution about farm subsidies. As a matter of fact, there's no mention of subsidies at all. There's nothing in the Constitution about pharmaceuticals. The testing or creation of or even the collaboration with private drug companies, nothing like that's in the Constitution. There's nothing in there about foreign aid or the regulation of the internet or censorship of speech. Come to think of it, that's specifically prohibited in the Constitution. There's nothing in there about infrastructure spending or the regulation of marijuana or tobacco or any plant for that matter. There's nothing in there about minimum wage, highway safety, aeronautics and space. There's nothing in there about TSA, ATF, IRS, fair housing, flood insurance, food, any type of regulation of food. There's nothing in there about that. Nothing in there about performing medical research or disease control or getting involved with small businesses. There's nothing in there about national endowments of anything. Nothing in there about fish, wildlife, forestry, mine safety. The Peace Corps ain't in there. Nothing about the arts. There's nothing in there about private courts like the FISA court. And there's nothing in there about regulation of anything, including financial companies, consumer protection, farms, businesses, occupational safety, the FDIC, and ain't in there. The Corps of Engineers is not in there. All of that was added over the centuries, one by one, one after another, drip, drip, drip. 
Can you name a single federal agency in the history of the republic that has ever been abolished? I can't. I'm sure there have been some whose duties have been absorbed into another agency, but abolished? Defunded by Congress? I did find a couple referenced on the corrupt Wikipedia, but most of them are listed as renamed or replaced. So basically the federal government, once a program or an agency is established, it never dies. With all that said, is it any wonder that the federal government is the nation's largest creditor, debtor, lender, employer, consumer, contractor, grantor, property owner, tenant, insurer, healthcare provider, and pension guarantor? Does that sound in any way limited? Is that limited government? Did you hear any of those things from that list as powers granted to the feds by the Constitution? Well, you say, how many agencies do pass the constitutionality test? Well, I'd say probably the Department of Defense, the Post Office, the State Department, the Treasury Department, Patent and Trademark Office, I guess the federal court system, something with immigration and customs enforcement, but it can only deal with naturalization, and a, probably a highly scaled down Department of Justice. That's about it. That means the abolishment or privatization of well-known agencies such as the Department of Education, the Interior Department, the Department of Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, Labor Department, Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Energy Department, Small Business Administration, Commerce Department, Department of Transportation, the Department of Energy, Labor Relations Administration, OSHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and the Export-Import Bank. You want to talk about political blasphemy? That's about as hardcore as it gets. Congress, as it is currently composed, would never defund any of the agencies I listed earlier. Hell, I can count on one hand the number of members of Congress who are even brave enough to mention the idea of defunding agencies. With that as a backdrop, let's examine my theory that all major problems currently facing America stem from the overstepping, overreaching, unconstitutional power projected by the federal government. Let's start with money. Very few issues demonstrate the destructive nature of one-size-fits-all tyranny in Washington than the topic of money. What is going on with the money in America? Can anyone say inflation? What exactly is inflation? Well, the dictionary definition of inflation is an increase in the money supply. The result of inflation is rising prices because you have more physical units of money, i.e. the printed U.S. dollars, chasing the same or fewer goods. And since we produce very few things in America, i.e. we import most consumer goods, there are rarely more goods or more productivity to soak up all of those newly printed dollars you then get rising prices, as we do today, with generation-high price inflation, thanks to Trump and Biden's printing press. Or better stated, thanks to the unconstitutional Federal Reserve printing of the money that Trump and Biden demanded. What does the Constitution say about money? Article 1, Section 10 states, No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of marquee or reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payments of debts, and it goes on from there. To make a long story short, money in America was gold and silver coins for the first 100 to 150 years of the republic's existence. The dollars that were printed, the pieces of paper, were redeemable for actual precious metals if the holder of the certificate chose to. 
1913 rolled around and the Unconstitutional Federal Reserve was established. If you want to learn more about what that meant for the United States, check out episodes 27, 28, and 224. But suffice it to say, the U.S. dollar has lost over 95% of its purchasing power in the ensuing 110 years since the Fed was established. For a primer on sound money, check out episode 62. Clearly, the Federal Reserve needs to be abolished and the sound money gold standard needs to be reestablished. The Fed is allowing the 536 people in charge of us in D.C. to loot the Treasury by printing more and more dollars. It's also avoidable, constitutionally speaking. What about the semi-annual debate in D.C. about raising the debt ceiling? That is an effing joke. They raise it every single time. What about the ever-increasing national debt and the annual deficits? Nothing is ever done to reduce either. Households and businesses cannot run annual deficits for decades and avoid bankruptcy, but the owners of the printing press can. What about the upcoming central bank digital currency where the federal government will, with your permission, track every single purchase you make? Talk about overstepping the constitutional boundaries. Check out episode 216 for a deep dive into that topic. This is the very definition of the fox guarding the hen house. Speaking of money... How do the feds get away with doing all of this unconstitutional shit? Well, they use the money that they print and extort the states with it. There are always strings attached to the federal money. Did you know that most states get upwards of 30% of their revenue in their budget from the federal government? That must end. In this context, the federal government is no different than the mafia. Do what we say or else. And instead of breaking your legs... They just withhold federal funds. Probably the most well-known incident is the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit demand, you know, to save the planet from exhaust from the cars. I think that was President Carter. Lower the speed limit within your state to 55, or we may withhold federal highway funds, which were, of course, dollars sent to D.C. out of the state's citizens' pocket. In this case, it was via the gas tax. You understand that the federal government does not have any money of its own. They collect it or print it the latter of which should be illegal. Well, it is illegal, at least unconstitutional. So the feds extort the states with their own money, forcing them to do their bidding. Killing decentralization and limited government in favor of one-size-fits-all tyranny and totalitarianism. What else does the federal government do with their illegally obtained printed dollars? Why, of course, they continue their federal extortion racket with the number one expenditure of the federal government, welfare and entitlement programs like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all of which are unconstitutional and should be phased out over time, defunded, and abolished. This includes food stamps and housing subsidies like Section 8 and whatever other thousands of federal subsidies are thrown at people, which is another bane of our existence. So the feds extort and bribe the states as a whole, but they also get the citizens of the states addicted to the free money coming from D.C. Both the states and the people within are dependent on the feds, just where they want them. What are the problems we have in America? What about the open border? Virtually from day one of the Biden administration, the border has been open. In order to replace the dwindling number of people willing to vote for candidates from the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. I have some bad news for all of you who blame Biden for the open border. You should be blaming the state legislatures and the governors of every border state, not Biden. 
no, no, you got to hear me out. I can hear you saying, what the hell are you talking about? Here's the thing. Border enforcement is not a power granted to the federal government in the Constitution. Only the rules of naturalization are mentioned. Therefore, according to the Tenth Amendment, border enforcement is a state issue. So all of the angst over the open border, the millions of illegals and criminals and terrorists who have streamed over the border over the last two and a half years, cannot be blamed on the feds if you are to be constitutionally accurate. The governors of the border states should be enforcing their border and every interior state should be arresting and deporting illegals that make it over their borders. I would even argue that the interior states should contribute resources to help the border states enforce the national border. If California wants to be overrun by illegals, go right ahead. But if an illegal ventures into Nevada or makes their way to Oklahoma or tries to fly on a plane, they better hope they don't come in contact with any law enforcement because without proof of citizenship, they will be promptly deported. The problem at the border is federal overreach because the feds have been unconstitutionally managing border enforcement for decades, leaving the American people to believe it's in their purview. Well, bring in a corrupt, America-hating head of a crime family into the White House, and he just pulls the plug on border enforcement, just like he pulled the plug on building Trump's unconstitutional wall. Biden claims border enforcement is a federal responsibility, and he's the head of the federal government, and he declares we ain't doing it. What other problems do we have in America? How about perpetual wars that drain America's coffers while killing and maiming millions abroad and thousands of American soldiers, contractors, and operatives? Think about it. We have been fighting at least one war for over 30 straight years. We had Iraq 1, Iraq 2, then Afghanistan. Beyond that, we have been meddling militarily with the CIA for longer than that. We provide arms to adversaries' adversaries. We depose democratically elected leaders. We kidnap, torture, and assassinate. The military-industrial complex drives Washington. Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics all get rich at the cost of all those lives. So, you say, what's the constitutional solution to this issue? Well, it's simple. Have Congress declare war as dictated by the Constitution. We haven't done that since World War II. Congress has the power of the purse. They could simply defund the undeclared war efforts. But they don't dare or all hellfire will descend on them. Another major problem in America today whose root cause can be pointed directly at the overreaching unconstitutional federal government is the weaponization of law enforcement. Let's start with the obvious, the persecution and prosecution of all things Trump with bullshit and novel legal strategies and the aiding, abetting, and ignoring of actual criminality committed by all things Biden crime family and ancillary Democratic-aligned people and organizations like Antifa and BLM. The DOJ and the FBI are thoroughly corrupt. Both agencies need to be dismantled. Even though you could argue that the DOJ is constitutional, it needs to be purged and possibly reconstituted. I feel bad for all the employees of both agencies, but the FBI is clearly not constitutional. The states have their own equivalent agencies. They can easily stand up a task force to communicate to each other, that is, the states to communicate to each other, share information, etc. There's no need for the FBI, especially after we found out that that agency is at the heart of the online censorship that we have been subjected to over the last four years in direct violation of the First Amendment. For that reason alone, the FBI needs to be abolished. 
The last topic I want to offer is evidence to demonstrate that the root cause of most of America's problems can be directly attributed to the overreaching, overstepping, unconstitutional federal government is the topic of all things COVID. Think about what the federal government did during the COVID hysteria. They did not have the power to do any of that shit. Let's consider the FDA, the CDC, the NIAID, all of which were at the heart of the totalitarian takeover of the country during the COVID hysteria. Where the hell is any of that shit in the Constitution? I mean, seriously, folks, think of all the angst, suffering, death, and adverse effects due to the sometimes deadly, often toxic so-called vaccine could have been prevented had these agencies not existed. With the existence of these three agencies, what did we get? We got a one-size-fits-all solution for 350 million people. Whatever the approved experts said was what we did. Vaccine mandates, mask mandates, lockdowns. Instead of pooling the combined collective resources worldwide and finding the best solutions, such as protect the most vulnerable, take vitamin D, buy some ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, let the rest of us live our lives, get the virus, recover, develop natural immunity, and get on with life. Nope, the totalitarians were in charge, and it just so happened that they were all sponsored by Pfizer. Operation Warp Speed, the unconstitutional FDA granted emergency use authorization for the untested so-called vaccine. Why is the FDA the single arbiter of drug approval in this country? It boggles my mind that there are only a handful of people like me who ask questions like that. Why doesn't someone challenge the constitutionality of the FDA or any of this other shit as we've discussed? Just like the military industrial complex, Big Pharma gets rich every time while the country as a whole suffers. Again, pointing to the theme of this episode, so much unconstitutional power concentrated in D.C. How hard is it really for multi-billion dollar multinational companies and foreign countries to bribe or pay off the 535 members of Congress? Hell, the Chinese and Russians got to Biden, for crying out loud. I would venture to say 75% of the members of Congress are on the take, either from foreign government, a lobbyist group, or a large corporation, or all three. That is why nothing ever changes. Hell, in the instance of COVID, the federal government even bribed the medical community. They offered incentive payments to hospitals for each COVID-coded death in order to boost the death toll numbers and drive more hysteria and fear and shove the so-called vaccine into the arms of the American people. So the hospitals were swabbing the noses of dead people who arrived from car accidents, gunshots, heart attacks, and getting paid for those who died with COVID, not from COVID. The corrupting influence of the out-of-control federal government shocks the conscience. Before I conclude, I want to hit on a few more areas in which the federal government operates outside their constitutional boundaries, just to make sure I'm driving home my point. Consider the environment. You won't be surprised to know that there are zero paragraphs in the Constitution regarding the environment, or energy, or land management. There is no power granted to the federal government to regulate carbon dioxide emissions, gas stoves, washing machines, dishwashers, water pressure, ceiling fans, or forest management. No mention of wetlands or fuel mixture standards. And yet, mysteriously, all of that is under the purview of the current federal government by the Environmental Protection Agency and or the Department of Energy. Both should be abolished and defunded tomorrow. One of the biggest initiatives pushed by the totalitarian left wing are green initiatives. 
the Green New Deal. They want to restrict the most plentiful natural resource, fossil fuels, oil, and natural gas. And they want to restrict the infinite supply of energy via nuclear. And they want to replace both of those with electric vehicles, wind and solar, all of which come with severe restrictions and limitations. Despite the fact that they have no power to do any of that shit, it is one of the cornerstone pieces of their agenda. Why is it allowed when these agencies are illegal and have no authority? What is the justification for the Department of Agriculture, the USDA? When the nation was founded, virtually everyone grew their own food. That was the case until what, the late 19th, early 20th century? Why does this agency exist? There's no mention of agriculture or crops in the Constitution. Today, the USDA exists in order to regulate small farmers out of business in favor of, drum roll please, big ag. Yep, more lobbyists sucking at the big old federal government's teeth. The military-industrial complex, big pharma, and we got big agriculture. See how this works? Big money gets thrown around in D.C. In return, D.C. builds big, unconstitutional federal bureaucracies in order to do the bidding of their donors for decades into the future. How about FEMA? Federal Emergency Management Administration. Forget the constitutionality of this agency for a minute. Can you think of a more inept federal agency? Why do they exist? States are perfectly capable of handling their own emergencies. They do not need federal assistance every time there's a hurricane or tornado or train derailment. They can call upon other states for assistance if they need it. They don't need helicopter money and support with strings attached from D.C. Katrina, East Palestine, Ohio, and just recently Maui. Those are issues for Louisiana, Ohio, and Hawaii to deal with. There's no need nor any constitutional authorization for the feds to be involved. Another problem we suffer from are unconstitutional executive orders. Listen to the recent episode 256 for a deep dive into that topic. The orders are supposed to apply to federal employees and federal agencies, of which there should only be a few. But instead, we get broad and sweeping orders, which almost always grant the federal government more unconstitutional powers. Truth be told, we shouldn't give two shits who the President of the United States is. All the energy we waste following the election and the nomination process, all of the bashing of Bush and Trump and the ignoring of the illegalities of the Biden crime family is a waste of time if we lived in the limited government constitutional republic that our founding fathers bequeathed to us. Here's something that's always bothered the shit out of me, but rarely do I hear anyone question it. Federal lands. Did you know that the federal government owns just under 27% of the lands in the United States? About 92% of the federally owned acres are in 12 western states. Did you know the feds own 80% of the land in Nevada? 60% of Alaska? 62% of Idaho? 30% of Montana? And 53% of Oregon? I mean, come on. The only land ownership that is legitimately constitutional are forts, garrisons, army bases, and I guess the District of Columbia. You want to throw in some national parks for good measure, you probably won't get much pushback from anybody, but this is ridiculous. So what do the totalitarians do with their vast ownership? Well, we touched on one of them. Biden's first order of business after taking office was to stop all drilling on federal lands and waters. I mean, why not? It's federal land, and he's the chief executive of the federal government. So, so we went from being an energy-independent nation with gas at around, what, 239 a gallon under Trump to energy-dependent 
with rolling blackouts during extreme temperatures in, of all places, Texas and, of course, California, and a gallon of gas is now at, what, $3.59 a gallon? This is a purposeful tax on every single driver in America. And the only reason Biden and his ilk are able to punish the American people with the stroke of a pen is because of unconstitutional federal land ownership. The land within each state that the federal government claims ownership of should be turned over to the state, period, end of story. The Bureau of Land Management should be defunded and abolished. We need a plan. Our country's leaders have systematically corrupted and broken down the limited government constitutional American system. The fox is guarding the hen house, and the hen house is going to shit. We have a constitutional crisis in America, and something must be done or the country is toast. I have a few ideas of what to do. Number one, a massive class action lawsuit that challenges the constitutionality of dozens or maybe just one federal agency. Require the Justice Department to go into court and prove why certain agencies exist using the Constitution as the source document. Secondly, states must stop accepting federal funds. No more. State budgets need to be independent of money flowing from D.C. and thus independent from the extortion racket that comes with it. Remember what I said earlier, the average state gets 30% of their revenue from the federal government. That has to end. States could get created by passing a law whereby gas stations within the state send the federal taxes they collected at the pump to the state capital rather than to D.C. What is D.C. going to do? Is the DOJ going to file a lawsuit against every state? So what? Even if they win in court, who's going to enforce the verdict? Is the DOJ going to direct the bank where the money is being held to freeze the assets? Okay, then the state will revoke the bank's state charter. Or the state can create its own bank, which they should do anyways. They should fill the bank's vaults with gold and silver and create their own precious metal-based currency while they're at it. That would help with some of our sound money issues we discussed earlier. Next, Congress needs to start defunding unconstitutional federal agencies. I've listed dozens throughout this episode. This includes a relatively easy and painless congressional maneuver to defund any federal program that does not have explicit congressional approval. I think Congressman Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are currently floating this idea over the ATF. Congress could also start defunding bad actors who are federal employees or defund specific departments and or programs rather than an entire agency. Mass nullification is another option. Middle fingers in the sky facing the direction of Washington, D.C. Most recently, you see this tactic deployed in Florida where, under the leadership of Ron DeSantis, the state legislature is passing laws outlawing dictates from D.C., such as requiring credit card companies to monitor and report gun and ammo purchases, or they banned the use of central bank digital currencies in the state. They outlawed many of the COVID mandates. In other words, they nullify or ignore unconstitutional dictates from the federal government. It's a beautiful thing and something that can be easily duplicated in all 50 states. Check out episode 23 for a deep dive into that topic. And if all else fails, there is always state secession. The states are voluntary members of the union. They are under no obligation to remain in it, especially when there has been a breach of contract for which they joined the union in the first place. That being the federal government is characterized by very limited powers. They didn't sign up for what we have now. I've produced a number of episodes on secession. If you're interested, check out episode 87, 88, 110, 128, 182, and 192. 
We need radical decentralization in America. We need a rapid return to our limited government principles prescribed by the Constitution. Couple that with very little money and very few federal agencies, there will be very little need or incentive to become corrupt if you happen to be elected to Congress. And it means very little power at the national level. Our problem is the people with the power, the corrupt people with the power, are the only ones who can change the system from inside. Given the current incentive structure of these bought and paid for asshole legislators, nothing is going to happen there. We are just going to get more of the same, more power, more money, and more corruption. And that's the truth about the root cause of America's problems. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and visit truthquestshirtfactory.com.